Oh, do we have a treat for you today on the Rise Together podcast? We have Sophia Amoruso, who is a serial entrepreneur and a New York Times bestselling author with an unprecedented track record in building iconic brands. Sophia evolved from one of the most prominent figures in fashion to a cultural thought leader, inspiring a new generation of founders, professionals, freelancers, and creatives. In 2017, she founded Girlboss, a community for ambitious women. And in 2019, at the fifth Girlboss rally, which hosted 1,800 attendees, she unveiled Girlboss.com, a digital professional network that Fast Company dubbed the LinkedIn for Women. Sophia has also hosted Girlboss Radio, which garnered over 20 million downloads. And in December of 2019, it was announced that Girlboss had been acquired by Attention Capital. Her 2014 New York Times bestseller, Girlboss, chronicled her early life as well as her experience as the founder of a fashion empire called Nasty Gal. And it was adapted into a scripted TV series that premiered on Netflix in 2017, produced by Charlize Theron. She's also authored two other books, Nasty Galaxy and The Girl Boss Workbook. Sophia is now focused on her personal brand and providing inspiration and advice to her community on lifestyle, entrepreneurship, wellness, and beauty. In fall 2020, she launches Business Class, an in-depth online entrepreneurship course that covers the fundamentals of starting and scaling your own business to achieve long-term success. In fact, I think it just came out this last week. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sophia Amoruso. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis, and I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise together. Now that you have heard from me what I think of Sophia, uh, I wonder if maybe, Sophia, you might actually, to anyone who is listening, tell people how and where you come from so that you, in your own words, can talk about your journey, your work, and everything that you do. Oh, man. It's a long story. I started an eBay store when I was 22. You know, I didn't have a college education. I, you know, my last job was in the lobby of an art school. And, you know, there's a lot of eBay store owners out there. They're, you know, they don't consider themselves entrepreneurs. I certainly didn't or expect to become a CEO, the CEO of an eBay store. And then it exploded. I just followed my nose and I, you know, did more of what worked and less of what didn't work and seemed very logical. And it got really, really big. Eventually we got investors. The company did over hundred million dollars in revenue. So I guess I'm, you know, then I wrote a book about it called Girl Boss. That was a New York Times bestseller. And then Netflix made a series based on it. It's just like, it's so exhausting to say out loud. I forget, I wake up every day and I forget that like all of this stuff happened. And when I say it out loud, it like, it, it just exhausts me. <laughs> but yeah, the Girl Boss book became my next venture. Girl Boss became Girl Boss the company. We did events like you do, a conference called the Girl Boss Rally. And I, I built that for three years and sold it at the end of last year and stayed on. The plan was to stay on. And then COVID hit. So I stepped away 
three months ago tomorrow, actually, was when I announced that I, along with most of our team, would be departing the company. And now I'm on to starting something new. So I guess serial entrepreneur, New York Times bestselling author, uh, owner of three poodles. Such a good description. I love it. I know that you did not necessarily set out to be an entrepreneur necessarily. There's like a little bit of an unorthodoxness to the path that you've taken. Can you share a little bit about how you got to where you are? Because for anyone who might find themselves wanting to kind of scratch the itch of their own entrepreneurness, uh, it's something that didn't necessarily happen in a linear fashion, did it? Yeah. And I think for a lot of us, it doesn't, you know, we have all of these tools, you know, everybody, anybody can be an entrepreneur of some kind. A hairstylist is an entrepreneur. A brow artist is an entrepreneur. You know, a graphic designer is an entrepreneur now. Like we are working for ourselves and we have these digital tools at our disposal to start businesses. A lot of us are creatives. I'm a creative. And so the archetype of what a business owner should look like, I think still seems very scary. Part of what we'll get into is what I'm doing now is kind of demystifying that because business can actually be really fun. It's a journey where you get to learn about yourself and become a better person, both for yourself and if you end up employing anyone and for your family. You know, for me, back in 2000, late 2006, when I started you know, my eBay store, Nasty Gal, selling vintage clothing. I was, you know, hanging out in thrift stores, finding cool stuff and putting it on models that I paid in hamburgers, you know? I had MySpace, PayPal, and eBay. There was no Shopify, no Squarespace, no Etsy, like no, like no Stripe or Square or like all of these incredible tools that we have now. And that was really, I guess, a kind of an example of what you can do now, which is you know, there's this, this framework that, you know, selling online on another platform really gives you. And so I kind of like honed my my skills on eBay's platform and their support. And it's a marketplace. So there were built-in customers. And then I built my own customers. I had a lot of MySpace friends. This is, you know, pre-Facebook, pre-Instagram. I was hacking MySpace to, you know, find the right customers and marketing on, on MySpace and didn't have to pay for it, which was awesome. And then left eBay, launched my website. And then the rest is, you know, bootstrapped it to $30 million in revenue. Investors came in. That's a, that's like the later part of the story. But in the beginning, it was just one foot in front of the other. You know, if you're a curious person and you have a computer and internet connection and are creative enough, you can try something. You can put something out to the world. Not everybody is going to, you know, become, uh, end up on the Forbes 30 under 30. And honestly, that's not really what matters. But th- the way we can explore and test and um, see what we're capable of with these online tools now is just so powerful. Well, you mentioned Nasty Girl. I know that was one of the earlier enterprises for you. It was an e-commerce darling that catapulted you to international recognition. But with anything on that kind of scale, obviously it wasn't without bumps in the road. I'm wondering if knowing what you know now, is there advice that you would give to the earlier version of you starting out? How does some of the experiences that you had to go through that weren't always ideal, the things that have shaped you into who you've become and the company that you run? Totally. 
I mean, I wasn't trying to be a CEO really. So I didn't start the business intentionally. I was just like, cool, maybe I can make as much money as I was in that lobby at the art school. If you're listening to this podcast, you are already way ahead of where I was because you're curious about these things and you're hearing people with experience who have advice, um, which I didn't, you know, I really wish I had started intentionally. Like it's a cool story, you know, it's kind of an accident, you know, it is unexpected, but if I started again and you know what I did with my second company and now what I'm doing today, I, I'm really intentional with how I do things. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If you're lucky enough to have a business that scales and a team that scales and operations that scale, and you don't set those intentions in the beginning, it's going to scale into a mess. You have to define those things in the beginning. Otherwise, it becomes this like tower of Babel where people don't know how to communicate with each other. People are duplicating their you know work. People don't know where one person's job ends and the other begins. Uh, there's five, like the culture piece alone is reason enough to establish how you want your business to be in the beginning, but then also, you know, what you want that strategy to look like, which I just, I didn't have. And when I started, you know, I guess third thing was, you know, holding people accountable. So, you know, my first hire was someone who could ship stuff and, you know, but a few hires later, you know, I started having executives. I had a COO and, my first COO was awesome, but I was in my twenties, you know, I hired these people and I was like, listen, I'm way in over my head. This is awesome. It's exploding, but I don't know what I don't know. You've been in your, you've been building your career for as long as I've been alive. Like these people had had careers that span 26 years. And so I expect I'd never managed anybody. I'd never worked in an office. I didn't know what management or leadership was. And I didn't think I'd need to manage people who were that senior or hold them accountable because I thought they'd just come in and diagnose my business and tell me what needed to happen and then go do it. I didn't even understand that people need to be told what to do, which is like awful and built a crappy culture, but I'm someone who just like does what needs to be done, but that's just not, or I, you know, I, I know cause it's my business, but communication, you know, in the beginning and for several years uh, was just not something I understood in leading teams. It was just, you know, I'm an only child. Like I don't, it's, you know, I'm the soccer, I, I played on soccer teams and I was the one when I got the ball, I just dribbled it all the way to the goal and, and, and tried to make a, to try to make a goal rather than passing it to someone else. And so I've learned now 15 years after starting my first company, that's not what works. But I'd learned the hard way and, you know, created a lot of challenges and a lot of discomfort in my companies and people not being set up to succeed. I say companies, plural, but I really just mean the first one. So I learned the hard way. Nasty Gal is a 10-year run and I learned a lot. And with my second company, I really just had a chip on my shoulder to see if I could do it right, to see if I could build a happy, healthy culture because I... I didn't 
I didn't want to be the person who was like doomed. Like that was who I was, you know, and I was able to change that. And the result was beautiful. It was amazing. Isn't it great? I mean, like who cares where the motivation comes from? You got something that was a gift in the experience of your first company that you were able to parlay into something beautiful with the second. I know during that time you ended up writing Girl Boss, which was obviously a runaway hit. I'm going to assume that you did not expect necessarily the reaction that you got from the book, which was overwhelming. Holy cow. But were you in any way prepared for how it would affect your business, how it would affect your life, how it would change the way that uh, people were drawn to you? I had absolutely no idea. You know, Um, it comes with a lot of responsibility. So I became this kind of like public figure hero entrepreneur who was really built up through business magazines and being on the cover of them and all the lists and stuff. And then through this book, and I didn't realize the position it put me in to be criticized and, you know, being heralded as, you know, this millennial female entrepreneurial hero who was kind of in my own class at the time. There weren't a lot of women building, you know, direct to consumer businesses at the time that got as much attention. It was like me, Tony Shea and Natalie from that, you know, from that aporte. And, you know, when things didn't go right, you know, people held me accountable because I had been built up so much. You know, I think people expect uh, someone, no matter who they are or how, you know, how much experience they have or don't have, like they're going to hold you accountable thinking that you should know how to do everything. And that if something happens in your company, like you did it and you yeah. knew about it when it happened. And while it's, you know, your responsibility as a leader to stay close to your culture, when you have hundreds of employees, that's really hard. And honestly, like as the leader of a company, and I think, you know, most most CEOs would say this, like, you know, about 10% of what's going on at any given time, you know, but nobody cares. And that's not an excuse. Yeah, Girlboss, I mean, Girlboss was an incredible run, right? It, it, it became part of the zeitgeist. It was like an intellectual property nightmare. It's like, oh, just a word now. It's like, you can't really even protect it. <laughs> and it, you know, it built what people have called a movement, which is awesome. It was before the women's movement and very, very different, just more about confidence and, you know, women owning their confidence and building, you know, their careers and starting businesses. Uh, and then it, and then it kind of became part of the women's movement, but never really intended to be. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it was completely set up for that either. By the way, though, that like some of that is just like the beauty in how a movement evolves. It's not like I don't know that you could even intentionally plan to have it happen the way that it did. It just did. And now it's created for you a whole bunch of fun and crazy to have to build from. And so there's something I think there's something beautiful in letting something that has a life of its own kind of take its life and then allow you to do every other great thing that you're going to do after the fact. I did read recently that you made this announcement on social about transitioning away from Girlboss, uh, in part due to COVID. I thought it was brave how you opened up and were super transparent about the way that the business had been impacted by, as many businesses have been, by COVID. But I'm curious if anyone who's listening has in some ways had their plans derailed by this pandemic What's the advice that you would give to anyone who's struggling to adapt to what obviously is a new normal? Yeah, you know, it's 
It's hard to answer that question as someone who, you know, like you said, I'm I'm really lucky to have the springboard to jump off of from my last two companies and the success of Girl Boss. So my experience is always going to be unique and it's hard to speak for everybody. What I see is a lot of people pivoting, most of them not intentionally. And it's really uncomfortable and it's really scary. And I'm bootstrapping my next business. I'm investing my own money. I never want to have investors again. I mean, you know, we're all kind of getting in touch with what what's what our best and highest is. I think people are thinking about their purpose and meaning and, you know, that uh, their value system more than we maybe did when we took so much for granted. I see a lot of people kind of digging deep and thinking about, you know, what will really make them happy and even making sacrifices in their career to take a step back or, you know, a step to the side to figure out, you know, to, to do something new, to enter a new industry, to start a new business. Um, and it's a very scary time. And so, you know, most of us have been pushed into that. I was pushed into it, you know, and yeah. I, you know, my makeup artist who came over with a mask on, you know, there's no shoots happening. There's no sets. There's no TV sets. There's no events. You know, this is someone who, works in Los Angeles and she's learning how to do microblading for eyebrows, which is, you know, you can just go to people's houses. It's a little bit more routine. And then my former executive assistant, she's a coach now, you know, she just, she got the courage and she, she did go to school for coaching, but she had been just kind of hadn't really started it. And we built a Squarespace site together. And I just like, I was like, I'm announcing this on my Instagram and you're setting up a Calendly and people are going to book a discovery call with you. And now that's what she's doing. She also is dealing with the fires. And, I mean, everybody's dealing with so many things. Something, everything. I know. Well, it's crazy. We had a virtual conference this last weekend and the things we had to do that we've never had to think about yeah. are just such a departure from everything historically. And yet, having everyone take a test, having everyone still social distance, doing something virtually instead of in person. It's just the thing you have to do in the midst of totally upside down times. But sometimes I think these crazy circumstances that we find ourselves inside of are going to introduce something through innovation or challenging the way that you maybe approach the status quo to open up the possibility for a whole bunch of good that will happen in addition to the world returning to some state of normal once we actually get through it. So yeah, what is it like the sound of the music changes, the walls of the shitty city shake or something like that. It's like one variable changes everything. Like even if it's just one degree and our world has changed, you know, 180 degrees, you can imagine what the runoff of that is going to be. And it's going to be really interesting to see that. I know on social you've shared plenty of emails that you've had from women who've read your book or been impacted by your work. And a lot of times they're talking about having quit their jobs or having made some kind of big life change in some ways inspired by the work that you do. And I'm curious, as much as it may not be the focus of your book, what do you think it is about your story that resonates so much with people to create change in their life? Yeah. You know, it's an unexpected story. It's one of, you know, a 22-year-old who's totally unqualified, who kind of felt her way around in the dark and figured out and, you know, hacked the system and the internet and, you know, read the books and did the research and learned the hard way how to build something from, you know, not nothing, but, you know, the back of a 1987 Volvo and a $500 a month pool house with no kitchen and a hot plate. 
you know, subsisting on Boston Market and Starbucks. You know, when when I published Girl Boss back in 2014, God, six years ago, it was really an outlier in the business book section. You know, there were, I mean, I don't want to say I'm like a pioneer, but like I couldn't find a business book in the business book section written by a millennial woman, you know, let alone one who didn't have like an overly academic, you know, this was a year after Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In was published. And that was like, you know, that was an outlier. So I think it really opened a door to a generation of entrepreneurial women to see themselves in, in the business book section. I think Girl Boss Robots was a gateway drug, you know, that showed that business can be fun and that you don't have to be an expert to become an expert. Yeah, I think there's something too in a world where there's so many things inside of gender norms and the ways that the patriarchy or whatever you want to call it have defined how women ought to be and men ought to be as the person who has been a massive supporter of Rachel in her pursuit of building something. I've often had her, the recipient of a question, what will this do to your kids, that I have never one time been the recipient of. People have never asked me, like, what will being an entrepreneur do to your kids? But in some crazy backward way, they were always asking her what this might do to our kids. And my answer every single time was like, oh, this will fundamentally change the way my kids think about a woman having access to a boardroom or the ability to speak on a stage or the capacity to write number one New York Times bestselling books, this like this is an insane question that you would even ask it in the first place. And I think so much of the work that you do is helping hopefully challenge a trope, a, 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 a thing that just has existed for so long that might have people wanting to ask a woman but not a man what this pursuit of impact might mean for their children as though if, you know, they were going to be a good woman, they might, I don't know, shut shut down or be quiet about uh, the way that they think they can change the world. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, what Rachel does and what I, you know, hope I'm lucky enough to do if I have kids really sets a, sets an example for your kids, you know? So while you may not spend every waking moment with your child, which probably isn't even great for them, certainly not for you, I don't know. I don't have kids, but this is what I imagine. The, the exposure your kids would get to, you know, being raised by an entrepreneurial, ambitious, outspoken, smart, successful, driven woman is like, you know, outweighs that by, you know, uh, multiples, right? Exponential. Oh, yeah. But that's, it's certainly not fair, right? And we're still living in a world where business was built by and for men we're like kind of still new here. You know, we were able to get credit card, our own credit cards, like without a cosigner, not, not that long ago. You know, this stuff is systemic. It's, it's nothing new. I think there, you know, people like Rachel are examples of, of how that can change and not shrinking uh, when you're in that position or you experience that kind of criticism. A lot of people go hide, you know, and oh, yeah. to not do it. Uh, to not hide, I think is a really brave thing to do. And it's a great example for your kids and for their friends and for everybody else around them. Now, I mean, here's the thing. I, I look at the model that she is affording our daughter. Hey, you can be literally anything you put your mind to, but also 
the model that she exists as for our sons, because, you know, as three boys who will become men, having them appreciate that women can 100% chase their dreams and build their businesses and have the kind of impact they were put on this planet for uh, is important as much for them as it is for her. So I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I have heard you speak on uh, the importance of being your own mentor feels like a lot of points in our life, particularly in times of struggle. It's something that we have to, we tend to, I think, seek outside validation more than we maybe look internally. So I'm curious, how do you create mentorship for yourself? How do you be your own mentor, as you've said before? Yeah, I think a lot of us are waiting for some mentor to drop out of the sky and discover us and tell us that we're great or here's what you need to do. Everybody's waiting around kind of to be told what to do. And the truth is the people who would tell you that don't necessarily know any better. And I've experienced that when you're, nobody's done what you're going to do. Nobody has the same story and we can learn a lot from other people's experiences and mentorship can be really, really valuable, but not having a mentor shouldn't stop you from moving forward. And I think there's too much value placed on, 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 on mentorship. If you, you know, to be your own mentor, you just have to be a curious person. You have to use the resources that you have and exploit the crap out of them to make even more for yourself. And if you only have free resources, you know, the internet, you can learn a lot from the internet. Google is your friend. You know, when I, when I built my first warehouse, I didn't build it, but when I had to outfit it with giant metal racking shelves you know I just looked on YouTube what the kind of how people did that and what the bins looked like and I figured out what uline was and ordered stuff and you know that's what you know that's what you know anybody can do today but you don't have someone to tell you these things the information's out there you just have to be curious enough and creative enough to know where to find it 100%. So many of the solutions that we've applied to our business, so many of the like tips and tricks that we've applied to our lives have come through the free resources that exist on the internet. There's so much out there. If people are just willing to be curious, I love the idea of curiosity. Uh, I know your uh, next venture is a business class, a business coaching program with fun, play on word themes. I'm also a business coach. You're a business coach. So coach to coach, what made you want to create this kind of thing as your next act? Okay. So get this. It's a business class, Oh. but it's called business class. And it sounds like the most boring, obvious name ever. It's descriptive business class. It's a, it's a really comprehensive course for entrepreneurs, but it's airline themed. So when I say that, then people are like, Oh, you're not the most, that's not the most boring name for a business in the world. And I'm dressed, I'm your chief flight attendant. Our customer experience team is the flight crew. Each of the modules is called a flight. Each lesson within it is called a leg. The table of contents is an itinerary. It's just endless. The puns are endless. I, don't I love to, it. I don't want to lose people in the puns, but it's really, really fun. And, you know, just, just launched it. It's on sale for just a few weeks. Um, trying to create a lifestyle where I'm not on all day long. <laughs> so this is, and also it's a program where it's led. So it's a self, self-led self course, but over, and you get lifetime access, but over eight weeks, you know, a different flight or module drops. And we go through that together and I do weekly coaching calls uh, with the group and it covers everything from, 
you know, trademark law and finance and LLCs and, you know, corporations and which to choose all the way to, you know, creating a logo, brand identity, marketing, the power of a brand, building and leading a team, establishing a company culture, like it's, it's really comprehensive. And it's what I wish I had when I was starting my business. So I guess that was, you know, part of the answer to your question was, shit, I wish I had something like business class. So it's, you know, I'm new to the coaching space, right? I've kind of been peripherally coaching by having a book and, you know, I've talked at some conferences and people have wanted this from me. Um, and I've kind of mentored through the things that I do through my companies, but it's never been this direct. Like I've never created an arsenal of knowledge uh, from my experiences and from what I've seen work for other people, from what's worked for me, for what hasn't worked, what I know are best practices. And so this is something that can take someone who, you know, has a strong business idea, is really ready to start a company, not just noodling or on the fence, or someone who has a small business and really wants to professionalize. You know, it's easy to just start and you can invoice people and, you know, here, but really running like a business is a very different thing and doing it profitably is what we're focused on. So while I have had investors in the past, like uh, what I did best, and I think probably my biggest accomplishment was taking, you know, Nasty Gal from $0 to $30 million without any investors, any debt, just somehow, you know, one foot in front of the other, not blowing all the money, which is, you know, what I want to help people do. I want people to build sustainable businesses and to kind of reframe what success means with a business because it doesn't mean that it has to be massive. So good. You know, honestly, when it's massive, your life kind of sucks, actually. <laughs> like, be careful what you wish for. Like, you don't know what it's like inside of these people's lives having to deal with, you know, this, like, spigot they've turned on that, like, never stops. When you have a business that supports your life and your lifestyle, you don't buy an expensive, you know, overpriced house that you're basically subscribed to and have to go work hard for the rest of your life. Like I do, you know, you can have a lot of flexibility and you can be proud of what you're doing without necessarily, you know, looking to these like, you know, this, this like archetype of this, you know, founder, CEO, you know, Silicon Valley, the glamour. It's just, it's not what it's about at all. Yeah. Well, I I can tell you as someone who has experienced for the last 10 months, a coaching community, it is such a rich experience. You're going to love the interaction with the people who end up diving in because they end up becoming your ride or die, always there asking questions, like the way that they're able to pull little kernels of goodness out of the things that you're teaching. It just has like this direct, immediate kind of uh, a result in their life. And it feels so great. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you. I for had sure. a test flight group. So I had a focus group, my test flight group. And so I did a little Ooh. bit of that on Zoom and it's, it is really rewarding. It's really, really rewarding to say stuff that like, I think's like, oh, whatever. And people be like, oh my gosh, whoa, that, that just changed the way I view the world. It's like, whoa, I just did that for free. <laughs> so good. I love it. I, I know too that you're coaching also has a component that affords scholarships to underrepresented communities in business, including people of color and people inside of the LGBTQ plus community. Can you just talk for a second about how you feel called into supporting scholarships and and why you do? Yeah, completely. Uh, You know, I think it's, you know, I have a unique experience and, you know, it started with, 
you know, flopping around being, you know, there's certainly amount an amount of privilege, even though I didn't have, like, I wasn't like necessarily like our rich kid. Like we were solidly middle-class and I know I've grown up with opportunities that aren't necessarily afforded to you and exposure that's not necessarily afforded to underrepresented groups. I walk into a room and I'm going to be seen differently than someone who, who's, who's not me, right? Who has a different experience, who's been marginalized, um, who isn't necessarily invited to those tables. Or if they are, it's, you know, the first thing people see is, you know, their identity before like what they do or their merit. And you know, with this course, it's just incredibly important to me that as I build the community around business class and build what, you know, build the business overall is that uh, the students represent the diversity of our population that I'm able to give back, you know, to, you know, the people I'm going to market to, like I have my audience, but like there's an audience out there that I, that I don't, I, I haven't necessarily tapped. And so I've partnered with out leadership as well as digital undivided um, to provide two hundred thousand dollars in scholarships to underrepresented communities and so out leadership is focused on like you said the lgbtqia plus community um, digital undivided is fo- focused on um, latinx and black female entrepreneurs and so they're going to be you know we're, we're giving that to their to their community so it's a really important thing it's extremely, it's just extremely rewarding to know that it's not a cheap course, but it's something that I know I can provide a lot of value for people who may not otherwise have access to something like this. I love it. You're going to change lives. Uh, you're already changing lives, but you're going to change lives in an even more impactful way. Uh, all right. So I want to end with a question that I end every time with, which is asking what... Sophia, single takeaway, what one piece of actionable advice would you drop on our listeners to help them in real time move their lives forward? If there was only one thing they remembered from this interview, what would you hope it would be? The only thing you have to lose is looking back and not having done it. There's no reason not to try, even if you just put your toe in the water, right? We all have different responsibilities and we can't all necessarily jump headfirst into what it is that we want to do. But if we don't explore it, um, we'll have lived a stunted life. So that kind of, you know, brevity is the word, like being brave and knowing that the only way to know yourself is to put yourself in situations just like getting to know other people, right? Like that's uncomfortable and that's how it should be with yourself as well. So get used to it and, you know, keep going, right? Like there's no reason to stop and wait around for something to happen because that's just not how it works. So good. All right. If someone wants to, and why wouldn't they want to follow you, know more about you, Sophia, where can people find you on the internet? What, uh, what resources would you give them? SophiaAmaruso.com. I'm at Sophia Amoruso on Instagram and you can find business class at takebusinessclass.com. And then I'm on the internet at Sophia Amoruso. You can Google me, but check out business class. It's like, 
it's really fun. I'm so excited for people to jump into this course. It's going to be fantastic for them and frankly for you getting to help others discover what they were put on this planet for. Sophia, thank you for being here today. I so, so appreciate it. If you as a listener took anything away from this and how could you have not, please take a picture of this. I want you to tag both myself and Sophia in your social. Let us know what you thought of this episode and we'll see you next week on the next episode of the Rise Together podcast. Rise Together is hosted by me, Dave Hollis. This show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with production support by Sterling Coates. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Rise Together is a product of The Hollis Company.